This week has been pretty relentless. It's been hard to keep up with every twist and turn of the presidential election, let alone think about all the other races in the country. So you'd be forgiven if you missed a vote in California. It was on a state ballot proposition. And this vote, it has the potential to change the way millions of people work, not just in California, but across the country. In the context of the United States, people often look at California as this giant blue state, this sort of idealistic democratic state. That's Sam Harnett. He covers tech and labor for KQED, a public broadcaster in California. And yeah, since the 1990s, California has had a reputation for progressive politics. Every current statewide officeholder is a Democrat. Fuel emission standards are strict. Marijuana is legal. And just this week, the state voted to restore voting rights to some formerly incarcerated residents. But, you know, being a tech reporter in Silicon Valley for the last 10 years, like a lot of what you see here in terms of income inequality, in terms of capital accumulation, it looks very much like what you would associate with the Republican Party. So when it comes to statewide votes, they aren't always that progressive. You sort of get out like what is a, a progressive liberal person in California? And you would assume that a progressive person would support what labor supports. It would be on the side of the worker. But this week, labor organizers lost. And Californians, by and large, sided with the tech companies. Californians voted yes on Proposition 22, an effort bankrolled by companies like Uber and Lyft. Prop 22 allows those companies to continue treating their app-based workers, like rideshare drivers or DoorDash couriers, as independent contractors, not employees. It's a huge win for these companies, and it's a blueprint for what they want to do across the country. As soon as Prop 22 passed, in their sort of celebratory emails, gig companies have been talking about how they want to make this the model for the nation. Today on the show, we're going inside the most expensive ballot measure in California history. How big tech convinced Californians to vote their way, what it means for workers in the state, and what it could mean for workers all over the country. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So can you tell me, in the simplest terms, what this result, what the yes on 22 means? So in the simplest terms, this creates a carve-out for app-based delivery and transportation companies to classify their workers as this kind of new sub-employee category. So they're contractors, but they get some benefits, but the benefits are watered-down employee benefits. Sam says these watered-down benefits were actually designed to look good to California voters who want to help workers. So instead of health insurance, you get the option to buy health subsidies. Instead of workers' compensation, you get the option to buy uh, insurance. Instead of having a minimum wage guarantee, you get 120% of minimum wage, but only for engaged driving time. And a lot of work in gig apps is waiting for your next job. So it's 120% of minimum wage, but if you're only working 60, 70% of the time, that's actually far less than minimum wage. Were you surprised by how this vote went? I was a little surprised, uh, but I think that was naivete. Really? Um, Yeah. So we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Uber and Lyft and the other gig companies have often relied on consumers to push back against politicians who want to regulate them. But here in the pandemic, ridership was way down. And in California, you saw all these Uber and Lyft drivers who were unemployed and couldn't get unemployment insurance. They had to come to the state. The state didn't have any money because Uber and Lyft had never paid a dime into unemployment because they've always classified their workers as contractors. So then they're getting the bailout from the federal government. So they're getting federal taxpayer dollars. So so there's things like that where you're like, okay, Uber and Lyft don't have as strong a leverage point with their consumers as they normally have. So there was that. There was the fact that the proposition was written as a specific carve out for a few companies. And you figured voters might look at that, especially in the context of the pandemic, and think, why should we help out just a handful of these companies right now? Hmm. And then in the vote, you know, in the last week uh, up to the election, the vote was 46 yes, 42 no. So given all that, it looked like it was going to be at least close. And instead, it was a landslide. I mean, it is 58, 42. I mean, that is a huge, huge victory. Well, let's back up for a second, because California has a lot of ballot propositions. And I think if you don't live in California, that can be surprising or confusing. Why are they so popular in the state? (laughs) Yeah, well, the the ballot propositions have an interesting history. I mean, they started the whole intent of, of the propositions was for regular people to have pushback against the government if it was overtaken by corporate interests. It was like, okay, if the legislature and the governor and the courts are all bought by corporations, then people could at least vote and and get things done that would help them out, right? But as we've seen over the years, more and more corporations have seen ballot propositions as a way to get stuff done that they can't get done through the legislature. And of course, as we know about elections, you know, we're not perfect, rational creatures who take in all the information and make the best decision, we are affected by marketing and advertising, right? So you saw corporations start pouring tons of money into advertising to get people to vote a certain way on a ballot proposition. So Proposition 22 was very much not a grassroots effort. How did it come to be? Sure. The 2012 Uber and Lyft come on the scene. They start classifying their workers as contractors. This becomes the basis of the entire gig economy model. 
Postmates, Instacart, DoorDash, they all follow suit because they're saving tons of money, right? Six years go by, California government does nothing to sort of figure out this question of, well, is this legal or not? They sort of just ignore it. Finally, the California Supreme Court weighs in, which makes it much harder for gig companies to classify their workers as contractors. It says that Uber and Lyft have to treat their drivers as employees instead of the independent contractors that they treat them like now. So that happens. And everyone thought, you know, wow, Uber, Lyft, they're going to have to reclassify their workers. But the, the companies just ignored it. So the state legislature, Lorena Gonzalez, assemblywoman, she writes AB5, which is targeted specifically at gig companies, and it codified the Supreme Court decision into law. I have never been so excited by a court decision. That and she was very crystal clear. This is to target gig companies. Because I guarantee you, if the new normal is if I hire you over an app, you have no rights. Every one of our jobs are at stake, even mine, because we will all become demand workers. The law passes. It goes into effect in January this year. Still, the gig companies keep classifying their workers as contractors. And when AB5 became law, or when, when it passed, that's when the gig companies said, you know, let's go to the ballot box. And so they wrote Proposition 22, and they wrote it in such a way that if it passed, it would, would require seven-eighths of the legislature just to make an amendment, which is unprecedented and the legislature can't achieve. So they basically, they wrote this proposition to, to be like a final blow, really, in this eight-year battle. And they figured if this passes, we're set. To get a ballot measure like this on everyone's radar and to build support for it took money. A lot of it. Uber, Lyft, and the other companies backing Proposition 22 spent more than 10 times what their opponents did. That added up to more than $200 million, making this the most expensive ballot measure in California history. And they used a lot of that money to shape a campaign that was centered around social justice. Because here's the thing. I mean, California, right, it is progressive. It is democratic. It is liberal. Yeah. So they had to figure out some strategy to make people who care about workers want to get behind something that organized labor was against. And their tactic was to go the social justice route. That meant couching the campaign in the language of workers' rights or sending mailers that looked like they came from trusted allies. If you're not a voter in California, let me tell you, I am a reporter. I, I, I've been reporting uh, on some of these propositions, you know, all year. And I get to the ballot box and I still have trouble understanding exactly what it would do, what it's hmm. it, uh, deciphering, what it says. And, and most voters in California actually rely on voter guides. They don't even read the propositions. You just do what some voter guy that you trust tells you to do. So they did the typical mailers. And these mailers that they sent out, they often, uh, uh, or many of these mailers, they made it look like it was coming from a progressive organization. And these pro progressive organizations didn't really exist. Um, they had one like mailer what? from like Feel the Burn. It looked like it came from Bernie Sanders, but it had nothing to do with Bernie Sanders. It was a fake progressive organization. I gather that there was also involvement with the NAACP. So this was like central in the Yes on Campaign's approach. The Yes on Prop 22 campaign wanted to get local chapters of the NAACP to endorse the prop. The California chapter of the NAACP ended up endorsing, but it turns out the Yes on Prop 22 campaign sent $85,000 to the political consulting firm of the chapter's president, Alice Huffman. So she received a payout of money, and then she wrote a bunch of op-eds and editorials supporting the proposition. 
Sam says the progressive social justice messaging was only half of the Yes on 22 campaign strategy. The other part, that massively extended their digital reach, was built into their very DNA. Their apps. Uber and Lyft were able to reach voters with their message directly by sending alerts and pop-ups to customers' and drivers' phones. The company wanted customers to talk to their drivers about the measure and wanted drivers to show their support for it. And there's one pop-up that really sticks out. This driver sent it to me. And the pop-up says, Prop 22 is progress. You know, yes, on Prop 22. And it said a couple other details about the proposition. And then to exit the pop-up, the driver had the option of clicking yes on Prop 22 or OK. Those are the only options. There was no other way to exit the pop-up. Whoa. Right? <laughs> so, and the driver, this is a driver who had gotten into an accident several years ago, driving for Lyft, wasn't covered by workers' compensation. His daughter had to drop out of college and work while he, he, uh, he had shoulder surgery. After that, he decided, I really want to be an employee. So he really didn't want to click yes or okay, but he had no other option. Now, Uber tells me that the pop-up was poorly designed, then they redesigned it, so uh, drivers had an option to close it. But I think that pop-up is, is indicative of the campaign they were running with drivers. Like It was a full-on assault in the app, just pop-up after pop-up, messages, a couple of Uber drivers actually sued the company over the pop-ups. Yeah, because they were getting so many of these. Right. There was that. DoorDash uh, had uh, delivered. It gave free Yes on Prop 22 bags to restaurants, and then the gig workers would have to use those bags to deliver food. So they basically became walking advertisements for Yes on Prop 22. Instacart at a, at a Bay Area grocery store had Instacart workers put Yes on Prop 22 stickers inside customers' orders. And all of these things are in a legal gray area because the workers are still classified as contractors. Let's talk about workers here, because I listened to you and it's clear to me that you think workers are getting a very raw deal here. Are, are there are there drivers, are there gig workers who want this? We heard from them in the debate around AB5. So this is really complicated and it takes a while to like explain all of this. So okay. <laughs> without a minute, I can go into it because it's really interesting, yeah. actually. So the first point is, is uh, a majority of the work done on these platforms is done by people of color working full time or in a second part time position. Right. But there also happens to be tens of thousands of people working on these apps very casually, just working a couple hours here and there, you know, maybe five, 10 hours a day. Now, the surveys of all the workers do not wait for how much time and how much work you're doing on the platform. So you're getting these surveys that seem like a lot of drivers maybe supported Prop 22, but the drivers doing the most hours were not getting adequately represented. I think the only way to really know what drivers want was to, to sit down with them, talk with them a lot, figure out what their story is. Uh, and I would say in my six years of reporting on this, it's actually been very consistent. Drivers actually want autonomy and flexibility, but they want to be paid enough that it's true autonomy and flexibility. They want to have rates so high that they can say, you know what, I'm not going to drive in rush hour today. I'm going to drive later and I'll still make enough money. Or, you know what, I, I'm going to take a week off. Or, hey, I make enough money that I can put money aside in, an, in a savings account for if I have a medical emergency. Have you talked to workers who you've stayed in touch with through your reporting since the vote? And, and if so, what have they said? Yeah, I've talked to a few. Uh, there's, you know, it's basically a sense of like, yeah, of course, like Uber and Lyft, especially, of course, they're going to keep fighting. Like, of course, they won, and we're going to have to fight more. I mean, this for some of these drivers, this battle's been going on for six, seven years, 
and they've seen so many things. There was there was class action lawsuits against the companies. There was the California Supreme Court case. There was the legislature. There was the attorney general case, and nothing's been successful. So, I would say there's extreme disappointment, and there's a there's this feeling of like, well, of course they've got tons and tons of money. Why would they stop fighting? There have been some pushes in different, specifically local jurisdictions, New York, where I am, for example, to raise the wage floor for some of these drivers, um, to try to put something akin to a little more structure, if not full employee protections in place. Do you see the potential for something like that to happen in other places that aren't California? I mean, there are three states, New Jersey, New York, and Illinois, that are pursuing some kind of AB5 law. There are other states that are doing the, what you're saying, looking to, to put local regulations to improve gig work. But I think Prop 22 is going to put a chilling effect on all of that. Everybody was looking at this battleground, and the gig companies won by a landslide. You know, one of the things that I'm struck by here is these companies, Uber and Lyft and a lot of the others, um, they don't make money. They're not profitable. And yet they spend a whole lot of money on this campaign, which tells me that they have an endgame outside of California. Right. I mean, these companies have never been profitable. Their business innovation was not their technology. They call themselves tech companies. But I mean, take, take Uber, for example. It's an app on a phone. It uses GPS smartphones. This is not some revolutionary technology. The business innovation of these companies has always been the worker classification scheme. It has always been about having a workforce that is classified as contractors, which means they are far cheaper, and it has been operating without following local transportation and taxi laws. Those were the business innovations. This is why venture capitalists poured tons of money into these companies. So it's no surprise that these companies fought it tooth and nail. And they see this as an existential threat. If you take away the worker classification and they have to classify their workers as employees, well, then how are they actually different than a taxi service? It sounds like there are a couple of different ways to look at Proposition 22 as a precedent for both what these kinds of companies want in national law, but then also how to get that message out nationally. Right. So if you look at the history of the contractor worker category, you can see that more and more industries have been exploiting it to save money and underpay workers. And I think the big worry from labor here is that by creating this new sub-employee contractor worker category is going to open the floodgates. And right now it is restricted to app-based transportation and delivery services. Mm-hmm. But you could see other companies and other industries seeing the savings that Uber and Lyft and, and DoorDash are getting by not paying for employee benefits and trying to find some way to craft an app that will also be able to take advantage of this contractor status. And then, as you said, the use of apps in this ballot race was unprecedented. I mean, we're talking about millions of apps and millions of pockets. And the tech industry was watching very closely to see how this played out. And it played out very well for the gig companies. Sam Harnett, thank you. Thanks. Sam Harnett is a tech and labor reporter for KQED. 
And that's our show for today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks and edited by Allison Benedict and Tori Bosch. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. Have a great weekend. Maybe go outside and just take a walk. And Mary Harris will be back in your ears on Monday. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening.